3: Hello and welcome to the Euro Trip, live from Turin.
4: This is the Euro
3: Trip. Hello everyone and welcome to the Eurotrip, live from Turin, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with me, Rob, normally also... Alongside the lovely James Rowe, who you will know if you were listening to our previous episodes this week, was with me here in Turin. But I'll fill you in on what's going on very, very shortly. But, did you enjoy the first semi-final of the Eurovision Song Contest 2022? Because Eurovision is back. So exciting to see the live performances. And also, wow, those results were potentially not what a lot of people were expecting. So there is plenty for us to talk about today. To begin with, we're going to hear from listener Will. So Will's a listener to the EuroTrip podcast and he was in the arena last night. So we're going to get his thoughts on everything he saw. We're going to go behind the scenes with him and find out what it's like to be in the arena. And then we move on from Will to have a chat to the brilliant Paul Jordan. He is better known, of course, as Dr. Eurovision. You'll know him. So he's got loads of thoughts and insights and views on everything that we saw on our TV screens last night and out here in Turin as well. And we have a bit of a chat about some of the qualifiers. And looking at Moldova, by the way, I'll say this fact again to Paul Jordan, but Zobzidob have now qualified for three different Eurovisions in three different decades. An incredible achievement from them. And finally today, we will chat to Christina Giantini. She is back on the podcast. She's the president of OGAE Italy. So understandably, she's a very, very busy woman this week and hasn't had a lot of sleep. So that makes for a very entertaining interview, as it always does. But thank you so much for listening to us this week. A great episode on the way. So you're listening on Acast, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is The Euro Trip. Hello everyone then, it is the Wednesday of Eurovision week, we are the midpoint of Eurovision week. Semi-final 1 is over, semi-final 2 and of course the grand final on the way. Now we are going to talk about semi-final 1 very very shortly but I should probably tell you what's going on because you are probably already thinking, this is a bit weird, why is James not here, what's happening and it's only right that I fill you loyal listeners in on the current situation. So it's safe to say the trip has taken a bit of an unexpected turn because, unfortunately, yesterday I tested positive for COVID-19, which is never ideal when you're abroad, even less ideal when you're abroad covering the Eurovision Song Contest. I was lucky enough to get out here about a week or so ago now. had a brilliant time in Turin. But yeah, I I went to the press centre for our regular testing as usual. We have to get tested every three days out here. And unfortunately yesterday, my test came back positive. So I promised you earlier in the week that you'd get to know more about the inner workings of Margarita's apartment, which is where I'm currently staying in Turin, where me and James were staying. And you definitely will, because every episode of the Eurotrip, from my perspective at least, and between now and the grand final on Saturday, more than likely are coming from here. So I will do my very, very best to bring you the best possible coverage Of Turin and Eurovision 2022, but it's obviously not what we had planned. It's put a bit of a downer on things, but don't worry, everybody, because honestly, this podcast is what's keeping me going. So I really hope that you're going to stick with me for the rest of the week. And please do let me know if you're listening, because your support means so much right now. Because yeah, I've had a little cry, but I'm all good. I'm back now all ready to give you the best possible coverage of Eurovision 2022. Uh, Where's James, I hear you ask? Uh, Well, James is currently on his way back to the UK. So he's heading home because, of course, Italian regulations state that we can't be here together. So he's taken the decision to go home. So he'll be watching semi-final two tomorrow from his own house. And hopefully he'll join us later in the week and we'll be back together and we'll be able to build the excitement towards the grand final when he's back. But yeah, just to fill you in, that's what's happened right now. But I really appreciate you being there.
4: This is the Eurotrip.
3: When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media.
5: We're at Eurotrip Podcast, warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest.
3: So on we go then. It is Eurovision week and coming to you live from Margarita's flat here in Turin. I'm Rob, great to have you with me. And please do get in touch with anything you hear today at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Also send me an email, hello at EuroTrippodcast.com And if you're really, really fancy, then of course you can read all of our exclusive stories online over at Eurotrippodcast.com. But yeah, it means a huge amount to know that you're out there listening. And apologies about the acoustics, by the way, because we weren't expecting to be recording in here, obviously, uh, but I'm currently in Margarita's lovely little kitchen. Um, it's a lovely quaint scene. Uh, the walls, by the way, in here are all bright pink. Uh, I've got some uh, some green sort of cabinets in front of me, so lovely little contrast there. Some lovely framed pictures on the wall of the Italian countryside and some pot plants and stuff around me and yeah, behind me a very old-fashioned gas cooker that I'm going to have to work out how to use over the next few days because, of course, I won't be popping out to sample any of Turin's lovely restaurants, will I? So, uh, yeah, I'll have to get my head around that. But less about me and more on to the show last night because, wow, 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 Eurovision was back and we're going to talk about it in detail in just a sec. But let's start by hearing our 10 qualifiers.
2: A mountain. rivers they run dry and
4: all
3: So you heard there Switzerland, Armenia, Iceland, Lithuania, Portugal, Norway, Greece, Ukraine, Moldova and the Netherlands all making it through to the grand final on Saturday night. Absolutely brilliant to have those songs as part of the grand final but we say a little cry to the songs that don't join us of course. You know you'll know here on the podcast we followed the likes of Cities Zerni from Latvia and their journey even before Supernova, so really sad to see them and the rest of the artists who are going home after last night's semi-final. But here's a little bit of joy. This comes courtesy, by the way, of the ESC Discord Twitter account, which is absolutely brilliant, and they've done a great job of collecting some of the commentators' reactions in their home country at the moment in which their artist qualified for the final. Now, we're going to start with somebody we heard on yesterday's podcast – Gisli Bárdorsson, who is Iceland's commentator. Well, this is how he reacted when Sister qualified for the grand final.
4: Iceland! Yeah! Yes! Yes!
5: That was awesome.
4: a good one. Sister and brother and Laila and all of you who are here. Okay, Woo! How
3: nice is that? Just proves how much it means to Gisli in his role, and obviously everybody watching back at home in Iceland that they'll be part of the Grand Final on Saturday, especially after everything that happened with Daddy and Gagnamagnid and their positive COVID test last year. And I wanted to bring you this one as well, and this is super cute. This is Marta Stockstad, who is Norway's commentator at Eurovision this year. And just listen to her reaction when Subwarfa were announced as part of the Grand Final lineup.
1: Norway! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Oh,
3: so cute, that little noise that she makes. I absolutely love it. So nice to hear two of the reactions there from, uh, from Norway, and then before that from Iceland and their commentators when their countries made it through. But let's get to the reaction now then. Let's look back at last night. And we're going to kick off with a listener to the Eurotrip podcast. One of our loyal listeners, Will, was inside the Pala Olimpico yesterday. So I thought we'd give him a call, find out his feelings and thoughts on everything he saw in there, hoping that he could take us inside, give us his view on everything that happened. And also, I thought I'd kick off with the formalities, with the pleasantries. And I asked when he touched down here in Turin.
2: I got here on Monday uh, and I'm, I'm staying till Sunday so it's a good long week in the sun here.
3: And just to give everybody listening to this an idea you know obviously I can uh, can see it out the window but it is very very nice. The weather for the rest of Eurovision week here in Italy is, is looking good. Yeah it's, it's so
2: sunny and warm. Um, I think we might have a little bit of rain maybe some uh, storms on Saturday afternoon, just before the final, just to be dramatic. But um, <laughs> but the rest of the week just looks like sun all the way.
3: Thunder and lightning, it's getting exciting, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> now, well, you were one of the lucky people who were actually in the arena last night for the first semi-final. So yeah. I wanted to get you on just to find out what that atmosphere was like. So, what was it like being in the Pala Olympico last night?
2: Oh, it's really cool. Um, and everyone it just you saw as soon as we got there just everyone very happy and excited there's a massive queue there's a there's a hoarding outside with the eurovision logo on and just like a queue halfway across the outside space of people just wanting to have their photos taken in front of it um, and then inside we were in the fan area um one of the areas where there's fan club tickets so we were just surrounded by people from different countries who so are really passionate about the contest uh a load of dutch people in front of us in there orange outfits, very recognisable. Um, loads of people with Icelandic flags behind us who got very excited when Iceland qualified. So really nice vibe in that area. People kind of come to support their countries and the
3: contest as a whole. And really nice that, like you said, I mean, just to give people an idea, that um, I think you're a member of uh, OGA UK, but it's nice that the yeah. fan clubs kind of get to hang out together almost in the same space in the arena.
2: Yeah, because, because of the way that the, the complex ticketing works. Um, the OJ fan club internationally they're going kind to of negotiate with the EBU and the host broadcasters to get a certain amount of tickets and then it splits them up but you know, for simplicity those are all going to be in certain areas together so then yeah you're you're surrounded by people from other fan clubs all around Europe and around the world
3: You mentioned two of them there, you know you mentioned Iceland you mentioned the Netherlands, I mean were they the most passionate or was there a, another set of Nations fans in there last night that were kind of screaming was, louder than any other
2: I think it was definitely the Dutch yeah, they were. I mean, they um, they they're very recognisable. And as soon as when S10 came on, they were absolutely uh, thrilled. And and when you qualified right at the end, um, they were straight up on their feet. You know, there's def- definitely. I think the Dutch bank club as well is quite a big, active one. And um, and because they have such a recognisable colour, <laughs> you kind of see them everywhere.
3: Now, talk us through as well, kind of the view that you have when you're in the arena, because there's been so much talk this year. You know, I've been lucky enough to kind of be in the green room for a little bit this year we've got we've said it many many times you know like living plants and trees down there in the green room you know you've got the sun which as we saw last night does indeed work just moves a little bit too slowly you know what was it like to kind of see all of that actually in person and in the flesh
2: so our seats were right towards the front on the left so very side onto the stage which you think might be a less good view and you're compared to the tv show you don't get the benefit of the framing that's been designed for the cameras, but what you do get is a really good behind the scenes view. Um, And so my favorite part, so Eurovision Live, is at the end of each song, when it kind of cuts to the postcards and the the preview of the next act, all the stage crew just running onto the stage right in front of you, clearing everything up as fast as they possibly can, charging on with the props for the next act and any the instruments. You can see the markings on the floor where they have to put things and the, the countdown timer um, <laughs> telling them how many seconds they've got they've got left which kind of goes a threatening red when it gets to 10 seconds. So you get all of that extra extra inside um, experience where we were as well. You could see behind the sun so when um uh, Diodato was setting up to come on and do Faramore. He was sitting there at the piano behind the sun, which you wouldn't be able to see from the back of the arena, but where we were, we could kind of see just all the prep and the cameras getting in position. Um, and you see the cameramen charging around the stage uh, with their steady cams, getting all the different shots and, and trying to keep out of each other's um, lines with varying degrees of success. So, um, yeah, you get, you get both the, the atmosphere and the proximity, but you lose the kind of um polished tv view and actually we could barely see the screens that showed showed that so it's a very different experience watching it on tv and you get the the audio feed in the arena as well isn't really the same as the audio feed on tv so there was, there was lots last night where i was like ah oh, everyone sung so well this is just really great vocals and then watch some of them back today and was like maybe i misjudged that <laughs>
3: I was going to say, which were the songs that really kind of went off in the arena? Because sometimes it doesn't necessarily translate, you know, a good song on TV. You've just said it there may not be a good song in the arena and, and kind of vice versa. So if you in the arena, yeah. what were the songs that really did kind of go off? And you could see that everyone in the Palais Olimpico was loving.
2: So I think you had real, there's the quiet ones, Greece and um, Netherlands. They were really powerful um just really focused on that one performer on stage and then Moldova which is just a massive party song absolutely everyone was um on their feet jumping around to um and then Ukraine uh just the the fact of them being there was so emotional um everyone just really willing them on and enjoying the performance and they just got such a massive standing ovation at the end that um to, to the point that like, I think the stage crew had to wait a bit to clear off the stage because they were getting such a good reception.
3: And we're going to hear on, on this episode from from Christina from the Italian fan club. So we'll, we'll chat all about Diodato and how special it was, of course, to, to see him on the Eurovision stage. But just a word from you on that Intervalax performance because that as well, because of everything that's happened and Diodato, you know, finally getting the chance to perform on the Eurovision stage two years later than, than should have been the case. That must have been a real moment.
2: Oh, right, absolutely. I, I remember when, in 2020, when the song originally came out, um, I was like, this is good. I enjoy this. He's a good performer. It wasn't anywhere near the top of my rankings, but it was a really solid song. Um, and then when the sh- when the um, contest got cancelled and he did that performance in the ar- arena in Verona, the impact of it and suddenly all the weight on it was just incredibly emotional. And I kind of remember watching it and crying seeing him just in this empty stadium singing and then last night that just all flooded back I was literally in tears in the arena from the very first note on the piano right through to the end of it it was just incredible seeing it um, in front of us and hearing the song that now has so many connotations about everything that's happened over the last couple of years it was just really powerful.
3: So we're looking ahead to the rest of the week what has the rest of the week got in store for you here in Turit?
2: So I uh I've got the Tickets for the remaining two live shows. So that's very exciting. Um, I've been the last couple of nights, I've also been to the Eurofans Club um, at Hiroshima Monomore. So we saw uh, Sunit on Monday. And actually, when we are Dommy, who turned up <laughs> unexpectedly, which we seem to have a habit of doing um, last night, I saw Kano there. Um, and so I've got uh, tickets to London night, which Suri is performing at on Thursday um, after the live show, and then uh, a day trip to Verona. On, on Friday in honour of uh, Koitume and Lara. <laughs> and then on Saturday, the Sa- Saturday the live show, which is, um, I've been to Eurovision before, but I've never been to a live final. I've always watched it on TV. So that's going to be uh, just a great new experience, even if it is going to be <laughs> a very, very, very long time sitting on a plastic seat in the arena.
3: Well, it sounds like you've got a brilliant few days ahead. Thank you so much for joining us. And hopefully you still find time to uh, have a listen to us here on the trip. Absolutely. Look forward to hearing more.
4: Cheers, Will. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Cheers, Rob. Bye-bye.
3: This is the Eurotrip. So this is the Eurotrip podcast coming to you live from Margarita's apartment here in Turin. Just a reminder, if you missed somehow the start of today's episode, no James with me today because he's heading back to the UK after I, unfortunately, tested positive for COVID-19. But fear not, we will do our best to bring you the best coverage possible of Eurovision 2022 in any way that we possibly can given the current situation and James should be hopefully maybe possibly we'll see back with us later on in the week coming to you from the UK and we'll be back together maybe before the grand final so that we can preview all the action for you so brilliant to hear from Will thank you Will for listening if you're listening to yourself listening to this if that makes sense because I know Will is a law listener so he may very well be so it was great to hear his insight into what happened uh, so we move from Will now to a man that you will recognize he is Paul Jordan otherwise known as Dr Eurovision he was watching the semi-final yesterday back at home in the UK he watched it in the pub so I thought I'd also find out his thoughts on everything that happened
5: just can't believe where the year has gone. It seems like only five minutes ago we were in Rotterdam for 2021. Um, I think it's it's obviously great to have it back. It kicked off last night. Um, I think out of the both semis, I think the first one is the weakest. I've got to say it was a bit of a an effort to sit through <laughs> all those 17 songs. But um, in general, there, there was pretty good performances. There were some surprises on the night. Um, I think hopefully Saturday is shaping up to be at least a diverse show musically. Um, if even if maybe my favourites didn't get through.
3: You mentioned that, you know, at times it may have been a bit of a struggle to get through some of them. But if we look on the the positive side of things, you know, what were the real standouts for you? What were the, the songs that you enjoyed? And, you know, what were the other moments that have kind of stayed with you?
5: I think uh, there's a couple of standouts. So Armenia, I thought, came across really well. I think it's a nice song, quite interesting staging, memorable at least. Uh, Norway, of course, Sub Wolfer, uh, Give That Wolf a Banana, I think it's really good fun and it's really well performed. Um, Ukraine, of course, for obvious reasons, that was a a bit of a standout moment, very emotional. And um, Moldova, that was great fun. I really enjoyed it.
3: I'll talk to you about Moldova in just a second. But if we go back to Armenia, did you see the moment at which it looked like that big crescendo where she kind of pops through the other side of the screen and tears back the post-it notes might not actually happen? There was a a slight moment of panic for Rosalind there. I don't know whether you caught that. I didn't actually, but also I noticed that there there
5: was a date, 22nd of June or something. I didn't know the significance of that, Um, but that was odd. So I don't know if that was a (laughs) political symbol or not. Um, I don't know, but um, no, I didn't. So I'll have to rewatch that performance. But um, as a song, I think it's lovely.
3: It is, Yeah, it, it worked really well as a closer, didn't it? I think there were a lot of people who were wondering, you know, whether that was the right place for it in the running order. But I think it definitely, definitely ended up in the right position. But yeah, if you do watch that back and anyone listening to this if you watch it back there's a moment where she pulls to get this kind of the the post-it notes away so she can pop through the hole at the end and nothing happens and then she has to tug hard I think two or three times while still singing so very very impressive from uh from (laughs) Rosalind
5: that reminds me of um it it wasn't actually on camera but it was Germany in 2009 you had uh Dieter von Tees like she came out and did a sort of burlesque thing uh, during the song and she couldn't get a jacket off, and she was really yanking, really, really hard, and panicking. And eventually, when the camera did pan to her, she had managed to get it off. But these things can happen. That's why your is so funny, because it's uh, or entertaining, I should say, because it's live TV, and anything can happen.
3: Absolutely, the jeopardy that we get while watching these live shows, especially while, you know, especially when the shows are hosted in Italy, as we've seen many, many times, uh, <laughs> many, many times before. Paul, if we look at the the kind of the, the surprises for you, are there any surprise qualifiers that you didn't see happening, and and you know they've made it through to to the Saturday when perhaps you thought they might not? I think well, there's probably three. I mean, Iceland
5: is a pleasant surprise for me. I thought it was a bit too subtle to get through, but I think you know. It's great that they're there. I've got a soft spot for Iceland in general. Um, it's a fantastic country and I'd love them to win Eurovision one year. Um, I think the two that I was probably disappointed with were Switzerland. I really don't like that song. That said, I understand why it got through, because it came across well on the night uh lithuania again a quality performance but i just can't abide the song and i'm really gutted i'm gonna to have to listen to it again on saturday i thought i'd never have to hear it again
3: <laughs> and it, this is the point isn't it where you know unfortunately we do have to say goodbye to, to seven songs seven artists that we we follow for so long since they were selected to represent their country i mean the one for me that stands out that i'm surprised hasn't made it through and i don't know whether you'd agree is is, is latvia because we've seen the city's any boys kind of everywhere they've done so much promo we've had them here on the podcast a few times we spoke to them on the turquoise carpet on sunday they seem to embrace all things eurovision a really fun performance but but clearly not quite enough and i don't know whether that may be the the jury impact whether you think on the on the school board
5: yeah i think it possibly i mean we'll, we'll know after the grand final on saturday where those votes have come from but i imagine that sort of song would really resonate with the public probably not the juries um similarly i mean As a song, Austria's entry, Halo, was really good. On CD, it's great. Show major on CD. (laughs) Um, But, you know, the performance was abysmal. It was so out of tune. And um, really a little bit gutted because I had money on Austria being in the top 10 in the grand final. So I've well and truly lost that (laughs) bet.
3: It wouldn't be Eurovision week if you already didn't have kind of a bet that had fallen by the wayside by Tuesday. That's that's always the way, isn't it? <laughs> if we can talk about Moldova, though, one of the other countries that have made it through. Zobzidob, of course, they have now, and this is a brilliant stat, they've now qualified for a grand final every single decade in the last three decades. So 2005, 2011, and now 2022.
5: That makes me feel really old because I remember being at the Moldovan party in Kiev in 2005 when they were performing in this bar. And I've got to say, there was a lot of sort of shady blokes, um, kind of very <laughs> odd venue, a lot of strange sort of business type people. Um, but, you know, it was great fun. And uh, the vodka was well and truly flowing that night. And um, yeah, no, they're a really good band. They know how to perform. And I think it came across really well. The video is really good as well. Um, yeah, I think it's a fun song. I don't think it's going to trouble the top ten. Uh, or maybe maybe top 10 but not top five but I think on the night it's a bit of escapism it's a bit fun it's a bit of a wake-up call
3: I don't know about you as well but a real shame that we don't actually get a train on stage for the song that was the one thing that I was really looking for
5: (laughs) yeah yeah well you never know they might uh, try and pull out uh, all the stops
3: on Saturday who knows (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Paul, can we have a bit of a chat about the the running order for Saturday or at least how it's shaping up at the moment? You know, we we see the countries after they've performed in their press conference afterwards when they've qualified. They pick either first half or second half. And then the producers get to, of course, have a bit of a play around. You know, we've Mm. seen we've seen the big five already draw their positions. Italy is the hosts. You know, they have their specific slot. They're singing song number nine. But at the time at which we're talking, there's kind of an interesting situation developing where there are barely any slots left in the first half. I think there's only two slots left in the first half for the countries from semi-two. And there are eight slots left in the second half. So is it going to be an advantage if you qualify from semi-two this year?
5: I think so. And I think it's also meaning that uh, because, well, again, it's all subjective, but I think the second semi final is more competitive. And I think it means that probably the first semi-final qualifiers, you know, the first half of the grand final, I think, is going to be a little bit more sedate. Whereas you've got the big hitters coming out in the second semi-final. You know, the the one to watch, of course, is Sweden. Um, they're they're going to be doing well, I think. Um, it's it's also, it's going to be interesting to see as they you know how that carves out, and they're going to have to space them out, ballads. Up tempo, but they, I mean I was in the room in 2017 when they were deciding the running order and it's fascinating because I, I often thought it was just you know about mixing up the music but it's things like props can they get that big prop off and get the next one on in time no they can't so they're going to put another song in between to give them more time or there's two women wearing white dresses we're going to separate them there's all these things to think about so um, I think yeah certainly the second half uh, with the UK in is going to be a bit stronger um, but let's let's see sweden might be drawn in the first half we never know that's if they qualify which i'm sure they will
3: and it's remiss of us. you did mention them earlier on not to not to mention ukraine of course seeing them on the eurovision stage a, a, a huge moment kind of not just for the ukrainian people but also for europe and everybody watching last night ukraine they've they've drawn in the first half which again presents the the ebu and the show producers with a with an interesting kind of proposition as to where where they may put Ukraine in in the, the running order in the grand final
5: indeed yeah and again it depends i say on on what their thinking is and what the other entries around it are and um, you know they could well get that dreaded second place slot you know that's a slot which no one has ever won from before and if ukraine win then that'll be that curse broken but um yeah it'd be interesting to see um where ukraine come on the night i still stand by what i said before i think the public will vote for them i don't know if they'll necessarily win the jury vote um but certainly they've got a very very good chance and it's going to be um, it's going to take a you know a strong song to beat it, I think. And unfortunately, I don't think it is the best song. But do I grudge the victory this year? Absolutely not. And I think it's probably well deserved.
3: And Paul, what are your plans for semi two? Of course, you know you uh, you were telling me before we press record. You know you were watching semi one from the pub, which sounded like a wonderful way to uh, to enjoy Eurovision. Is it the same again for Thursday night in the semi final?
5: No, so Thursday night I've got some friends coming over, we're going to have a bit of a party and then Saturday night I'm going to be watching it on a big screen in a picture house, a big cinema and again another party and then I'm off on holiday to Portugal on Monday so I'll need a break from all the uh,
3: partying. Fantastic, well Paul thank you so much for chatting to us and, uh, and enjoy the rest of what Eurovision Week has in store. Thank you Rob, cheers, happy Eurovision. A huge thank you to Paul Jordan, Dr Eurovision for joining us to chat all about semi-final number one. Semi-final two, of course, on the way tomorrow, and I'll be back here from Margarita's Kitchen, previewing all of the action, so keep an eye on your podcast feeds for when that episode is released. Apologies if the episodes aren't there when you'd expect them to be. Hopefully, you understand that We're kind of doing what we can when we can, because it's a very unexpected situation, but we are dedicated to providing you with the best possible coverage, so please do stick with us, and I hope you enjoy the episodes when they come, but we will endeavour to have them with you as quickly as possible. I wanted to share this message with you. Thank you to Adrian, who got in touch on Twitter. He's at Aid Bradley. And he shared with us some pictures of a food tour that he's currently on in Turin. By the way, this was incredible. And it's a nightmare when you can't get out here to eat the wonderful food that's out here. So it's like purgatory for me. But he's got some lovely tortellini on there. I think there's maybe some sort of like steak cachet, like steak tartare sort of thing. All sorts of brilliant stuff on there. Uh, he said, I forgot to take photos of Pizza wine, and Arancini, uh, but this tour was highlighted on the US Podcast and definitely trust the recommendation. So there you go, everybody. The trek to Turin wasn't worthless. It found Adrian this food tour and he seems to have had a brilliant time. So great for Adrian to get in touch. So thank you very much to him. And also thank you to Corrie, Corrie Wouters, of course. She's a regular listener to the podcast as well. She said, good luck with everything you're doing. Really enjoying your coverage of the podcast. Really eager to find out if ducks really do quack in Italian. Uh, yeah, listen to yesterday's episode if you uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about.
4: Don't forget, you can get in touch with us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast.
3: And on we go here on the Eurotrip. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. The sun is still streaming through the windows. Of the apartment here. Got a lovely little balcony which I may take you onto maybe on tomorrow's episode. I don't want to kind of scare all the residents when they kind of look across to me and think, what's that English person doing? Why is he talking to himself? And then my Italian is not great. So my chances of explaining to them, oh, by the way, I'm recording a podcast about Eurovision, probably quite slim. But maybe we should do it anyway. That sounds like quite an entertaining situation. But yeah, I might take you onto the balcony tomorrow. The sun, as I said, streaming in and time is ticking before I need to work out how to use this very old-fashioned gas cooker. So I'll keep you all updated on what happens with that one and whether I do indeed get some dinner today. But we're going to talk now to another podcast regular. So we've heard from a listener in Will. We've heard from a man that you all know very well in Dr. Eurovision, Paul Jordan. And now, Christina Giantini. We spoke to her on our podcast immediately after Italy had won the Eurovision Song Contest last year. We've caught up with her since when Turin was announced as hosting the competition, also after Sanremo. Well, now she is back. She's the president of OGAE Italy. So understandably, she is incredibly busy right now, organizing loads of events for the fans, of course, and doing all sorts of other very important jobs. So we were lucky to grab a chat with her. And when we started talking, I thought I'd ask where on earth she was taking my call from.
4: Hi everyone, I'm glad to be back. Uh, right now, I am here in front of the press center. Uh, well, it's hot and sunny here. I'm not inside because inside it's really noisy. And so it's better to stay here uh, in the shadow and uh, with uh, this cool wind and it's uh, wonderful.
3: Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful day here in Turin. At the time that we're talking, I think we've just seen the first dress rehearsal for the second semi semi-final. But if we look back to last night, how special was it to see a Eurovision show, a live Eurovision show here in Italy for the first time since 1991?
4: My God, it was incredible. It was incredible. And I must admit, I wasn't expecting it to be this good. Uh, I loved everything. I loved the staging. I loved uh, how it was organized, everything. And I felt so, I'm like, oh my God. I, I just couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Believe that this was held in Italy, finally. Oh my God. <laughs>
3: um, and what, what was the reaction from, from the people in Italy watching at home? I know Italy kind of had more viewers for, for a Eurovision semi final than I think it's ever had before.
4: Yes, you're right. And the reaction was very, very good. Uh, almost everybody loved it. Uh, I suppose they weren't expecting a show like this from Italy. I mean, we used to serve emo. Of course, uh, lots of people know what your vision is. But they just weren't expecting Italy to organize it this way. Uh, I must say we're very, very happy about it.
3: And it must mean that you are just so excited for, for what's still to come this week, you know, with the second semi semi-final tomorrow. <laughs> and then, and yeah. then the grand final It's going to be an incredible show.
4: Oh, my God, yes. Terribly, terribly, terribly excited. Uh, Even if, okay, I must admit my highlight was yesterday, because as I saw Diodato's performance, oh, my God. I said, he's the winner. (laughs) To me, he's the winner. Uh, That performance was incredible, absolutely incredible. But, of course, there's lots more to come, so I'm excited about uh, what will come tomorrow and uh, the Saturday
3: I'm so pleased you've mentioned Diodato Christina because one of our listeners Will was in the arena last night and he mentioned Diodato you know people listening to this will have seen Diodato's performance maybe even had a little cry as well because I know so many people got so emotional watching that and you know just talk to us about how special Diodato and that song in particular is to the Italian people
4: Oh my god. Uh, uh, I'm uh first of all, Diodato was one of my favorite uh uh I know you know when he first came to San Remo he was in the uh, in the young category and his song was Babylonia and I noticed him from the start. Then two years before his victory, he was Teaming with Loi Faci, and he had that other song, Adesso, and uh, that was incredible. And when he won uh, Sanremo, he just exploded. Uh, I mean, Diodato is one of the most loved Italian artists nowadays. Everybody loves him. I mean, I haven't met anyone who told me, oh, really like you don't i've never heard anyone say something like this i mean uh everybody loves him and uh and the song well of course you know the song has got a special meaning because of pandemic because of covid and everybody was singing it um from the balconies and so on and i think this is one of the most loved Italian songs of all times. I mean, uh, I think uh, from abroad, you cannot really uh, have an idea of what Diodato and this song mean to the Italian people.
3: It was just such a moment last night and so brilliant yeah. that he he got to perform on, on the Eurovision stage. Christina, if we can look ahead, of course, it's the middle of Eurovision week, but yeah. for, for Italians, all eyes are on Saturday, of course, with Mahmoud and Blanco, one of the favourites to win this year's Eurovision Song Contest again. We saw a clip of their performance during the semi-final last night, how are you as an Italian and as the president of the Italian Eurovision fan club, how are you feeling right now?
4: Well, I'm proud of them. Absolutely. Uh, from the first night in San Remo, I said, OK, they must win because they have the most emotional and also the most um, uh, professional uh, performance of all. And the song is is a wonderful song and they are to me they are perfect on stage so I'm feeling proud and uh, okay I know they have good chances of winning the whole thing again which will be oh my god (laughs) I don't know I don't know whether it would be a a dream come true or a nightmare because of the organization but uh, it will be incredible and uh, well why not
3: should we should we book our flights back here for italy 2023 <laughs> or is that too soon
4: well of course it's it's too soon i mean uh we have lots of other good performers uh well of course ukraine maybe greece poland we have lots of incredible performances and songs but you never know i mean uh i think italy has good chances so um, okay just just keep an eye on the flights just
3: keep an eye. <laughs> good advice Christina Christina I know you're so busy obviously with everything you've got <laughs> to do this week I hope you get some sleep at some point and it's been oh, brilliant well. it's been brilliant to talk to you
4: thank you so much and uh, uh, I'm always so so happy to talk to you and uh, I love to wish happy Eurovision, everyone
3: this is the Trip, and that brings to a close today's Different sounding? episode. Thank you, by the way, to Christina Giantini for uh, joining us and having a bit of a chat about everything that she's up to this week and a bit of a chat about how Italians are feeling right now. Thank you as well to listener Will. Thank you to Paul Jordan for joining us. But yeah, Especially, thank you to you for sticking with us, waiting and being especially patient for this episode to drop. I hope you understand given the current situation, but it's great to have you with me and honestly you are providing me with the very best company. So, please, and I mean this, honestly, because I've got a lot of spare time, if you want to get in touch with me, if you want to chat Eurovision, if you want to tweet me, if you want to DM me, I would love to have a chat with loads of you. So, at RobLilly1 is my Twitter account. So, please do get in touch with me on there, at RobLilly1, L-I-L-L-E-Y and I'll chat to as many of you as possible about what's going on. And that is exactly what I'll do tomorrow as well because I'll be back here from Margarita's Kitchen as we build up to semi-final number two and we'll be hearing from some of the artists including the brilliant Sheldon Riley when he tells me about his love of Eurovision.
2: You know, Kinshida from Austria with the song Rise Like a Phoenix, the song that changed everybody's lives and hearts and honestly put Eurovision back in everyone's hearts as well that year so i mean i'm just the biggest fan i tell people she changed my life because she did it was it was everything
3: so great to have sheldon on we'll also hear from Ors from romania as well about his song liamame so we'll hear from sheldon from Ors, and loads of brilliant guests including some more podcast regulars as we build up to semi-final two and as the grand final Gets ever closer. But if you want to get in touch with us, of course, at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, hello at podcast.com on the email and find our exclusive stories over on podcast.com Now, good luck everybody, because James always does this bit. Please do, if you've liked what you've heard, leave us a review, rate us five-star, subscribe, and there's something else as well. There always is and I always forget it. But I feel like we've covered off the, the main kind of notices there. Really appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy what is left of this Wednesday on Eurovision Week. And I'll be back with you at some point tomorrow. But until then, it's goodbye.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.